Thanks for joining me. My name is LMC. If you're interested in the cannabis industry regarding business, politics, finance, investment, marketing, branding, entrepreneurship, legalization, pretty much pretty across the board. Don't really touch any of the growing stuff uh, with the science of that. I'm not smart enough for that, but we are covering a lot of the business, politics, so forth of the cannabis industry. So if you haven't seen my videos before, you like this video, uh, hit that like button, definitely subscribe. I'd really appreciate it. Uh, and I hope I can add some value to you. Anyway, so today we are going to just go over this Leafly article written by David Bienenstock. Um, and the title of this article is, Can You Love Cannabis and Support the Police? This article caught my eye and I wanted to dive into it. So there's about like 10 different paragraphs, I think, or 10 different uh say or 10 different um, portions of uh, this article and we're going to break down each one you know um, we're going to talk a little bit more broadly about it but really found this interesting and let's explore it okay so the opening to to love cannabis is to know this plant is both a life-saving medicine and a wonderfully life-affirming enhancer of music and ice cream sundaes. To love cannabis is also be part of an incredibly diverse and inclusive global community of people brought to together to celebrate and share this most beneficial botanical species. But to love cannabis is also to see this plant senselessly demonized by the authorities in order to prop up a century-long campaign of racist, abusive, corrupt, counterproductive, and overt, overtly cruel policing. While tremendous progress has recently been made towards legalization, the total number of cannabis arrests in the United States has actually risen each of the last three years. All of these arrests disrupt the lives of targeted individuals and their families and their communities. Many of these disruptions are truly devastating. Uh, devastating a routine interaction with law enforcement over a simple possession can result in arrest, incarceration, job loss, housing loss, denial of student aid, financial ruin, uh, the loss of your children, or getting shot to death by the police. Okay, so first uh, segment, police targets people of color and the poor. In every state, even states that have legalized these arrests vastly disproportionate, disproportionately target the poor and people of color so much so that if you don't happen to be poor or a person of color, you might not feel the oppression of those 650,000 plus annual cannabis arrests in the United States alone as directly as you should. Actually, as you must in this 2000 stand-up special, Killing Them Softly, Dave Chappelle made this very point in, uh, in an allegorical story that smoking a joint with his white friendship. Okay, we're not going to watch the video, but Absolutely. Police, uh, I mean, it's been known that white people, black people, they smoke the same amount of cannabis, um, but black people are four to five times more likely to uh, get arrested for cannabis than a white person, right? I mean, there's legit statistical data that will show you People of color are vastly more targeted for cannabis. So cannabis and, you know, you can I have multiple different videos talking about this in different ways. Recently, I just posted a video about how Method Man is uh, starting his own 
cannabis company uh, called, uh, I believe it's Vicel, um, Vicol, which is, um, I can't remember what it stands for, uh, but it's aimed to, the, the company, the brand is aimed to focus on cannabis owned, or uh, yeah, black owned cannabis businesses. So, you know, trying to help uplift uh, the once and still to this day oppressed um, uh, demographic of our country uh, being people of color, you know, through cannabis. Right. And we'll talk a little bit more about how cannabis is used as a system to oppress, right? Um, Later in this article, uh, we'll talk about how cannabis has been used as a form of enforcing Jim Crow. Um, So yeah, we'll talk about that here later on. So the next part is a cannabis arrest every 18 seconds in America. To love cannabis is to know that every law against it is an eff- is, is an affront to life, liberty, and the pursuit of, pursuit of happiness. But it's got to be more than that. For more than a century, police in this country have terrorized our communities by putting tens of millions of us in handcuffs, sending peaceful, kind-hearted people in, in prison for decades, raiding our compassion clubs set up, set up to supply the sick and dying, shooting our dogs in no-knock arm, arm raids of our homes, net, of, of our homes snatching us off our own porches and street corners, arresting cancer patients in their hospital beds, spying on us, sending snitches and narcs after us, com- uh, combing through our ashtrays for a seed or a stem, or failing all that, just planting weed on us. And for what? Someone gets arrested in this country for marijuana every 18 seconds. Doesn't that make you angry? Even if you've been busted yourself, even if you have a friend or loved one busted, to truly love weed is to know when the police abuse any one of us, none of us are free. Okay, I'm going to be honest. He's the, the, This writer is 100% right, uh, but a little bit... I don't want to say dramatic because I think that just seems, I mean, to me, I think that's a little bit, uh, you know, insensitive. Um, but I mean, come on, like searching through ashtray. Okay. Anyway, I, I get this point and I think it's a hundred percent true. I mean, it's, it's like I said, it's, 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 it's a system that is created to help enforce Jim Crow uh, the new Jim Crow, excuse me, it, it's there to help the private uh, prison complex, um, you know, put money in these private, these private prison uh, owners, uh, the stockholders, because it's traded, you know, there's fucking private prisons, or I believe that they actually banned that. I think Obama did. Maybe they brought them back, though. I'm pretty sure they brought them back with Trump. Um, anyway, we, yeah, we can go on. I, I've talked about it in other videos as well, but the Terrible. So yes, every 18 seconds, somebody's arrested for marijuana and it's more times than not, almost always a, it's used in a way to oppress communities, right? Especially people of color, but definitely in every instance and in every other community, there's definitely been uh, instances of this, but particularly people of color have been targeted. 
And this leads us to the next paragraph right here. The next uh, segment is police actively creating more victims. If the war on marijuana hasn't personally directed, affected you, um, directly affected you, or even if it has, uh, let's all take a moment to stop and think about Jesse Snodgrass. In late 2012, an undercover narcotics officer in Riverside, California, infiltrated the local high school and befriended a lonely, isolated student named Jesse. Jesse was new to town and had been diagnosed with autism as well as bipolar disorder, Tourette syndrome, and several anxiety disorders. Okay, have you ever heard about the story? This story is fucking insane. It's crazy. It's a great uh, showcase of how entrapment works, how the government, how police actively try to set up citizens to break the law because we have quota systems, because we have these requirements and, you know, we need to be showcasing uh, continuous growth in in progress, in progress, right? And, you know, that's the thing. I mean, the fact is, there's a reason why, you know, you may get stopped one day for a, a ticket and, you know, you, 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 you think about, you know, whatever you got stopped for, you know, maybe you were speeding five, you know, five miles per hour, you know, out, you know, if it's like you're at 65 miles per hour and you're the, the, the official driving, um, speed was 60. You got stopped for that. Usually no one ever does. And you're just like, what, what's going on? Well, that's most of the time because it's a quota because they have to meet quotas. Now let's throw in the bias, racist, institutionalized aspect to this argument or to this situation, right? You have to meet quotas. You also have, you know, potentially this off, you know, whatever officer, uh, you know, has a bias uh, and is racist pretty much towards people of color. Well, they have to meet the quota and they have this bias. Let's stop this, you know, person of color. Just trying to kind of walk through a little bit of how these different layers affect each other and how they come together to create an, uh, an oppression, uh, a system of oppression, right? So this system though, I mean, so this, this, this part of the article, they talk about Jesse who, you know, the pretty much, I mean, he, he was somebody that had a lot of different um, disabilities, bipolar disorder, Tourette syndrome, several anxiety disorders, you know, at autism. Um, and pretty much they the, the this story is how this 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 narc at the school entrapped him and and convinced him to uh, buy or sell him a bunch of or sell him a bunch of weed and it was this whole thing and it was just like so fucking crazy because it was go check out this video it's 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 by vice uh, it's undercover cop tricks autistic student into selling weed um, and right weed you know drug you know illegal drugs that is the tool right racism is a add-on to that tool right racism is okay we're going to use this tool to target people that have disabilities or people of color because they're because because that's that that's their bias right Cause it's, 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 you know, uh, at the time more societally acceptable, right? They, they, you know, picked a black person, they picked a person with disabilities, they entrap people. 
Now, the reason being, they have to fill their they have to fill their uh, private prison complex. They have to fill, you know, keep keep heightening, keep growing those numbers of private prison inmates because they get more money from the federal government the more prisoners they have. Right, so racism is a tool for capitalism to succeed in certain areas where, for example, you see private prisons, right? So racism is used as a justification. There, there's, there's, there's a lot of different things. So I, I do think that this is another huge knock on the police. I mean, at the same time, we have to always, you know, make clear that organization, uh, you know, government agencies starts from the top down. It also starts with the regulators. It starts with the legislators. Um, unfortunately, you know, these legislators, they make decisions. For example, Nixon doing the war on drugs, right? Nancy Reagan with her Just Say No campaign with Ronald Reagan as president. Um, using drugs, you know, throughout history, we've seen this. We've seen drugs being used as a mechanism to oppress a, a, a culture, people, so forth, right? Crack cocaine with Reagan, um, you know, they had to sell the crack. They had a system of racism. They had a system of segregation. They flooded the, uh, you know, uh, African-American markets with crack to then fund their war over in Iran, the Iran-Contra deal. Um, this is one of the bigger scandals in Reagan's uh, presidential uh, term or terms. And, you know, it ends up being for the, at the very end, the end is it's all for capitalism. It's, it's, it's greedy capitalism to fill the prisons, to fill the prisons. They use racism. They put people of color in prison, right? To overthrow a government regime so that they can, you know, that, so that America can access their resources and help the economy and, and like I said, the end goal is a capitalistic endeavor. And what they do with that, how do they fund that uh, regime change war that, 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 that Congress didn't approve and that wasn't, and so the federal government wasn't going to officially uh, uh, fund it? Well, they, they flooded the, the markets of, of LA to the black communities with crack cocaine. And that's what that money that was made through that market with freeway ricky ross um the real rick ross by the way not the not the rapper the fake rapper um that was a way to fund a capitalistic in endeavor so and let's go back to the very uh, let's go back to america america founded on slavery founded on racism the economy for the most part for sure um and which which has you know created generations of uh, uh, of, of oppression and and has shown you know we have institutional racism and that's why to this day people of color are being targeted for this people of color you know they can't get a loan because they're just 
the bias it, it it's it's something that we're slowly slowly trying to amend um but there are problems there and it all started in in a lot of ways with the root of the root of it beginning was capitalism and i'm not i'm not trying to go on like an anti-capitalism rant here but slavery started in america free labor you know and it's it's unfortunate there's a lot of like at the end of the day racism is a mechanism to enable capitalistic endeavors and that's sad but it's true and we have to realize that right and because these end goals were made for capitalist endeavors through, throughout that process, for example, racism, slavery, all that, that has created all of these, these cultures of racism, these institutional racism. Um, so the system has been rigged against people of color. So that's stuff. So let's, let's keep going, though. I'm sorry for ranting a little bit there hope you guys found that a little bit interesting but uh, i do find i i think this 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 um article has so far laid out a pretty good uh argument to be made i think it it makes great points absolutely okay so actually cops do make the law uh make the laws when asked to defend this indefensible policy and its horrific horrific cost to the public the, the police typically respond with a shop worn line hey we don't make the laws we just enforce them so this is the key thing. Well, I say it's definitely on police. It definitely is on legislators as well, but definitely on police because a lot of times legislators, they will enact policy, but they will, I mean, determine policy, right? They will create policy, but whoever enacts that policy, anything that's not, that, uh, that's not uh, specifically explained, which is most le- legislation, it's usually pretty broad. It's usually put on the agency or the personnel of the government that is enacting that policy to determine their own uh, interpretation of that. So that can be pretty broad and that can leave a lot of gray area and could lead to a positive experience or a really negative experience. Um, and that's a key thing here. So let's, let's keep going with this. So, but to date, every single campaign to end cannabis prohibition has been met with organized and well-funded opposition from police, sheriff departments, and other law enforcement organizations that profit off the American prison industrial complex, which means the people and institutions most intimately involved in enforcing these unjust laws remain steadfastly committed to even bigger budgets, harsher penalties, and fuller prisons. It's not that the law forces cops to arrest people for cannabis. They want to arrest and imprison people for cannabis. So this part right here just completely reiterated my point that I just made earlier. The prison, American prison industrial complex is real. It is profitable and it is profitable only because of these systems that are set up for in, you know, putting people in jail, putting mass incarceration, targeting people of color, utilizing cannabis, harmless, you know, harmless, you know, plant, um that is on the exact same level as, as alcohol if, if not better um and just in general the drug war in general it's been a waste of money it's been a huge waste of money but 
there's a lot of money put into keeping that system up because the prison industrial complex, all this. It, it yeah, it's it's disgusting. It's disgusting. It is it is it is capitalism unhinged. It's capitalism unchecked. It's not okay. It's not okay. It, it is it is what is so wrong with our society and our in our in our country. When people are incentivized to put another human being in jail, to put them in captivity, and then get paid for that, something is something has really gone wrong in this country. Something has gone so wrong. When when kids have to go to college and pay hundreds of thousands of dollars. When we originally, if you can look throughout history, college used to be free. Then it started to get a little, you know, started to pay a little bit, a little bit more, a little bit more, a little bit more, a little bit more, a little bit more. To a point now where this isn't about learning. This isn't about education anymore. This is about fucking making money. Right? And then once they're really in that mindset, they start to be, oh, how do we reduce costs on the backside? How do we, how do we do that? And then the, the education quality starts to go down more and more, but the price starts to go up more and more. And you start to see, this is your education. This is the, the money you're going to pay right here. They're just going, whoop. And then you start to be like, why? What's going on with college? Why? Anyway, I have a, I have a little side um, with, with education in general. I, I swear to God, that's one thing. Mark, mark my words, I will try to be, you know, one part of helping change America's education system because it's, it's destroyed, it's corrupted, it's money, greed has seeped into every aspect of American society, American economics, American politics, and it has been the demise of us and it will be the demise of us. It will be, I promise you. I promise you, I'm, I, I love capitalism. I also, I, I, I think that there are socialism aspects that are very important. There's a balance to everything. And right now we are so far to uh, the capitalism, pure capitalism side. Capitalism in check, pure capitalism, pure communism, pure anything, never good. You need to have balancing factors and the system is just completely unhinged no checks and balances. The people are the, the last line of defense, right? And, you know, yeah, I, I'm, let's go on to the next part. So another point that they made, it's not protection, it's oppression. Some small percentage of cops may truly believe that weed smokers pose a threat to society so severe as to justify all the no-knock raids and draconian sentences. But anyone so willing, willingly, fully ignorant or irredeemably delusional has no place in position of authority. Absolutely true. As for the rest, we must come to the uncomfortable but obvious conclusion that they simply enjoy fucking with undesirable people, quote in quotations, with impunity. And cannabis serves as a convenient pretext to do just that, even in cases where cannabis has nothing to do uh, with anything. Absolutely. Cannabis is a pretext to fuck with black people. When Michael Brown was shot to death by police in Ferguson, Missouri in 2014, his lifeless body was left uh, for four hours in the street. The authorities later went out of their way to publicize the fact that Brown was wearing socks decorated with cannabis leaves. You know, it's exactly. 
it's a it's in it's it's in it's a mechanism it's an excuse it's a it's a way to enact race you know to cannabis is a mechanism to enact and then to also be enacted by racism and then therefore to help the capitalist system the capitalist system that is set in place with our prison industrial complex you know they can point oh he was wearing socks decorated with cannabis sleeves oh he must be this he must be this kind of person he must be kind of you have no idea you know it, it it's it, it's an excuse it's a way it's a red heron it's a way to drive people off of this when sandra bland was pulled over by police in hempstead texas a town literally named for cannabis uh later died while held in jail waller county district attorney El mathis claimed she swallowed a large quantity of marijuana or smoked it in the jail as it was justified every abuse of their constitutional rights and human dignity in neither of these cases did not authorities claim cannabis is the cause of death since cannabis has never caused a single death in human history they just use cannabis as a smoke screen to smear their victims and distract from their own crimes exactly a hundred percent one hundred percent I mean, absolutely. It's used as an excuse. Like I said, it's an excuse. It doesn't have anything to, like with these two cases. If you ever actually, by the way, if you've ever seen the Sandra Bland documentary, it was, I think it's on Netflix, go check it out. Uh, it's pretty fucked up and it's, it's, it raises a lot of questions and it also just showcases in general institutional racism and, 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 and bias by cops that were in that town of Hempstead, which as they say, literally was named for cannabis. Okay, so they go, yes, legalize it, but that won't fix the police. The legal cannabis industry has rightly faced criticism for allowing rich white people to profit off the plant while so many people of color remain incarcerated for doing the same thing. Even rich white assholes have lashed onto this critique. <laughs> this will probably get me in trouble, but I feel I have to say... <laughs> okay I, I just covered these tweets the other day people were trolling him and it was just like yeah we get that you know i i elon musk smart guy doing a lot for our for humanity uh but a little bit out of touch a little bit um a little bit late on this subject now while i do think that that's a, you know even rich assholes have lashed onto this critique yeah, I guess he's a rich asshole, but yeah, I don't know. Anyway, let's keep going. Two problems to consider. A drill down a little, however, what looks like one problem is actually two problems that throw each of uh, other into stark relief. The economic problem of rich white people getting richer off cannabis is the outgrowth of the institutional racism embedded in capitalism, like I was talking about. But another way, the legal cannabis industry is increasingly full of rich white people getting richer because it's now like it's now like every other industry. In some cities and states, equity programs have been implemented to help people uh, help level the playing field. But it's clear that there's much more to be done, and this must be an immediate and urgent priority for regulators, industry leaders, and consumers. Cons uh, consumers, cannabis should transform capitalism, not the other way around. But make no mistake, it will be a long uphill battle. Yes, cannabis industry is too white, for sure, across the board. 
these equity programs, we need to do better. Those equity programs are good. They're a good start, but they're definitely not, they're not going to cut it. There needs to be more. Um, I love this, this, this sentence right here. Cannabis should not transform capitalism, not the other way around. No, so cannabis should transform capitalism, not the other way around, excuse me. But we are, all, we are in a capitalism, capitalistic system. That is the framework. We have capitalism and then inside of capitalism, we have cannabis, unfortunately. Now, I love this idea. It definitely is an ambitious idea. It's a little bit of a utopian statement, but it's true and we should aim for that as close as we can get to truly that. But capitalism is a, is a system that we need to reform in, in, in broad understanding, not just with cannabis. Cannabis is one of those mechanisms Cannabis is embedded in racism. Racism is embedded in capitalism or cannabis. You know, they're, they're all together. They all work in code. They, they all, you know, are symbiotic with each other. And we need to figure out how to bolster up the black community. We need to figure out how people of color can get into ownership roles, how they can become CEOs, executives, ownership, 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 like I always say true value over generations is, is, is completely and almost always uh, created through ownership and building wealth through ownership, right? Because you can, own, you can pass on ownership to your family and that is key. That's a key thing for generational wealth. So legalizing is a big help, but not the total solution. The second problem, however, that people of color continue to be arrested and incarcerated for cannabis is a political problem. Legalizing cannabis is the solution. When Washington, D.C. legalized 2014, the arrest rate for black people fell by more than 99%. That is fucking insane. That is crazy. That does not blow your mind. It doesn't also show you how cannabis is utilized in a negative way by police. I don't know what it, I don't know what will then because that is a pure that is that is it that is to the almost the max of showcasing cannabis is used as a tool just like other illegal drugs to feed this prison uh, industrial complex um, and we just need to identify that and see that. If we get if we legalize cannabis federally, if we start to legalize federally, that's one less less mechanism that can be used by police to enforce this institutional racism, this this uh, new Jim Crow almost, you know, utilizing drugs to enforce and to feed the capitalism system, the capitalistic system. Okay. We couldn't make it illegal to be black. Many years after the fact, Richard Nixon's former domestic policy chief admitted that the modern war on drugs was started as a way to attack the president's two chief political enemies, the anti-war left and black people. Bam. Nixon, he was one of the people that created, like his administration, one of the uh, architects of inst institutional racism. All right. It went JFK, I believe, and then JFK was assassinated. LBJ, Lyndon uh, B. Johnson, he actually was a pretty racist uh, uh, 
person. He was a, a, he was a liberal senator from Texas, but similar to Abraham Lincoln, who was also racist, he definitely was a, the major factor in pushing through the civil rights legislation uh, through the government with the 1964 Civil Rights Act, I believe. Now, obviously, he was completely influenced by you know black civil rights leaders like Malcolm X, uh, MLK, uh, you know Medgar Evers, et cetera, et cetera. Um, but he got it through, and then I believe he lost to Nixon, or no, and then and, uh, LBJ. I could, I might be off on that, but I'm pretty sure when Nixon, LBJ, or no, I mean, when it went JFK, LBJ, Nixon, and that went forward. Right after the Civil Rights Act was created, there was more, uh, you know, invigoration, you know, uh, you know, the black community was a little bit more empowered, more, more empowered for sure on, on a legal standpoint, still absolutely oppressed. I mean, even obviously still to this day. Um, but the reaction to that was, okay, how Nixon was like, how are we going to react to the anti-war people? Because we had, you know, Nixon took over the last part of the uh, Vietnam War. He was the one who pulled people out. Uh, and he was the one who also had the secret wars in Cambodia. So we had the anti-war left. And then you have black people, right? And this administration started the president, uh, set the president for utilizing drugs as a means for oppressing their enemies. And the Republican Party for years and years and years, and starting to change, you know, here and there, but the Republican Party has, you know, demonized the enemies of their party and one of those enemies was black people um so they utilized this racist system they were like we'll kill two birds one stone we can keep feeding the the newly you know at this time in like the 60s and 70s this newly formed uh private prison industrial product uh um uh complex and we can also get rid of and oppress a major group of people, uh, a major demographic that is most of the time anti-Republican, anti-Nixon, right? So two birds, one stone. They utilized the systems that were already there. They utilized the racism that was already there. Um, and they used it to attack their demographic, an, an, an enemy demographic, um, and also feed capitalism, keep feeding capitalism, you know? Okay, so, quote, we knew we couldn't make it illegal to be either uh, either against the war or black, John uh, Eric Ehrlichman told a reporter in 1994, but by getting the public to associate hippies with marijuana and blacks with heroin and then criminalizing both heavily, we could disrupt those communities. So just like I was saying, it's a tactic, right? They couldn't, they couldn't make it illegal to be black. They couldn't make it illegal uh, to be against war but they could create, utilize, you know, they could make, they could create illegal things and associate those illegal things with these communities and utilize that a way to oppress and to arrest and to, you know, destroy those oppositions to them. 
the war on drugs is the new Jim Crow. As anyone who's read Michelle Alexander's groundbreaking, ground, groundbreaking book, The New Jim Crow, knows that exactly what the police did. By the way, if you've never read that book, highly recommend it. Amazing book. Um, it really opened my eyes to truly how racism has not, it's never died ever. It's, it's been just completely uh, adapted to the new modern framework of the time. And it's been utilized in different ways. And a lot of times utilized in a, in a capitalistic endeavor for the end result, or that's what you know the end goal is. But there's a lot of cultural things that also come in, uh, into play as well. But drugs is, is in, and, and cannabis is in making cannabis legal, associating it with certain communities, targeting those communities for those drugs. That is a key component of what is the new Jim Crow. I really recommend that book, by the way. Um, keep going. So, and we'll keep doing over cannabis or for some reason, uh, for some other reason, as long as we give them massive budgets, unchecked authority and unwritten mandate to go after the poor with minorities and political and political dissidents. According to a 2017 report by the center of popular democracy, most large cities spend more than 25% of their general fund budget on police. Chicago and Oakland have spent 40%. NYPD's budget now comes to more than $6 billion annually in a city facing a housing crisis and a transit crisis where people lack access to basic healthcare and and children go to sleep hungry. Absolutely. We need to have checks and balances. This supposed America was supposedly built on checks and balances, right? And, you know, there's many times where that system has shown up and shown checks and balances, and there's also times where it hasn't. But one way that there hasn't been, there has not been enough checks and balances on police departments. There needs to be more training, um, and there needs to be a, a threat. There needs to be, a, a you know, if you do not meet these requirements, we're going to defund you. Now, you could take that argument any other way you want. You could say, let's defund them right now. Let's just take, you know, a portion of their budget and cut it and put it towards services that will help help decrease, uh, you know, um, completely uh, unwarranted shootings, killings, lynchings. Um, and... You know, I, I think that, you know, I think all of those different solutions could work for sure. And I think that, you know, we need to try. Um, but yeah, I mean, these 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 police budgets are, are bloated. And a lot of times, if people aren't aware, the, the military, because we have a military industrial complex, uh, the military has a lot of excess material. They have a lot of excess uh, equipment, um, tanks, anti, you know, a lot of different equipment and weapons and what there's there was a whole program i think that was under the george 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 w bush uh i'm not exactly sure but it is one of the administrations recently the last four four different administrations within those four four administrations where uh the military is giving their excess uh weapons and supplies and and, and uh vehicles to uh police departments all across the country so they're militarized they're 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 militarizing uh police departments when that should not be happening at all right there there are police departments out there with tanks they have tanks i'm not joking they literally have tanks um and is that appropriate no 
You never want to have your policing force uh, over militarized, have, you know, the ability to uh, oppress your people because when you start to police the people, the people will rebel. And and they've been doing this for years in general, but, you know, there's a lot of problems. Anyway, I, I do think that we need to look at budgets. We need to look at how we can reform and change in general um, these police departments. I do think that the fact that the MPD's budget is $6 billion annually, that's crazy. It's crazy. Okay, so giving war, giving weapons of war to those who protect and serve. These figures don't include money from federal government. Between 1990 and 2017, the Defense Department supplied local police departments with $5.4 in military aid. Those grants brought uh, tactics and equipment previously deployed in Afghanistan. Okay, Jesus Christ, I just mentioned this. I'm walking through this article with you guys at the same time. And that's exactly what, yes. So, deployed in American cities and rural communities, all of which means the officer of law that kicked down your door in the middle of the night over a dime bag show up in a tank and... Jesus, I just said that, I swear to God. A uh, tank and look like Robocop. Meanwhile, doctors and nurses wear trash bags to protect themselves from a deadly pandemic. That's what you support if you support the police. So if you love weed and don't support the police, what comes next? Act locally, you, your voice, and, your, and vote control your local city council, which controls the police budget. Start learning how to change things with this practical guide to defunding the police by Tessa Stewart. Yes, I think that we need to put checks on the on the police. We need to look at also the legislators, right? We need to also, we need to look at the capitalistic endeavors that have set up these systems that are incentivizing these systems to be there. Capitalism, greed, systems that should not be capitalistic they, that should not be profited off of that should not be a, a a free market there should never be private prisons in my opinion or definitely not private prisons no matter what i but this is we'll get a little bit more controversial i don't think there should be uh you know extremely excessively priced schooling um i think that once you start to turn jail prison education and healthcare into a business those are those are necessities of life and and of, of our society and that that is absolutely backwards it's ass backwards it's 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 become a business not a service not a service to the society not a service to us um but yeah i mean this was a great article i, I love breaking this down um the police they need a complete reform. They need to have accountability and they, and we need to start to take away these, uh, these different, um, tools like cannabis, like drugs. And in in, in just in my opinion, I do think that at this point, I do think that we should legalize all drugs in my opinion, legalize them and then educate, 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 have, you know, Rehabilit re a lot of rehabil rehabilitation programs. Educate the educate 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 though that's the key education, showing what happens to people, uh, but 
main point I'm trying to say is we can we need to take the drug uh, mechanism, the 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 cannabis, you know, really all drugs, take that tool away from police so that they cannot keep enforcing this 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 racist institutionalized capitalistic endeavor. Anyways, if you guys like the video, hit that like button down below. I really appreciate you. If you made it to the end of the video, you're fucking awesome. Um, and please drop a comment down below if you have anything to add. I would love to hear from you. If you've got any questions, any suggestions on a new video. Um, yeah, really though. This was in Leafly, by the way. Shout out Leafly. Uh, this is a, I, I definitely enjoyed this article quite a bit. Um, and yeah. This is written by David Binnenstock in June 16, 2020. Anyways, really appreciate y'all. I hope everyone is staying super safe and sound. Um, and I hope y'all have an amazing, amazing day. Peace. I'm going